Welcome everybody to the Wrestle Down! Wrestle Down! Coming to you live from Six Flags, New England. <laughs> yeah, it's very empty here because it's off season. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is the Wrestle Down where we talk about wrestling, no gimmicks, just two dudes with microphones. <laughs> Dueling until one falls. <laughs> this podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hi, I'm Jer Palapal. That makes me Dennis Bruno. I, that does not make you Dennis Bruno. That's not, <laughs> you're Dennis Bruno uh, of your own your own volition. This is true. It's it's self uh, self knowledge. And this is our mascot, Keaton Fuzzy Man, who I just gestured to, even though you cannot see my gestures. He's looking at Dennis. Right, buddy? He's catting it up. He's being... He's very far from the microphone. Four-legged, all-black, one-tooth kitty cat. Anybody? Okay. At this time of year, very easy to get on the rides. <laughs> it's very easy to get on them and die. It's, <laughs> it's much faster when it's ice. From the producers of Suicide Squad comes... <laughs> crack a cold one, because <laughs> you're going to want to sit still for this one. Six Flags. That's it. Yay. It's a working title. <laughs> and that is our sponsor for the week. Six Flags. Six, six Flags off-season. <laughs> they saved up their money, their pennies, to you know have some money left over for off-season. And then they decided, hey, why don't we invest in a wrestling podcast? It's an unconventional way of doing business, but you know what? It's what got me these golden shorts. Golden shorts, baby. Organically, this is how you build up word of mouth for a podcast, is that you get a theme park to uh, promote you. And it, it's it's a very symbiotic relationship. More people are going to listen, and I feel like I've run a stat this week. 75% of people who are on roller coasters are listening to podcasts, so... <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> it's I mean, you got to do something during that, that really boring time when it's going up. Right. Um, but then you put it on pause uh, when it's going down, out of respect for the podcast. That's true. All of our podcast listeners have found us on Superman. <laughs> we're, we're, we're here for you. And if you found us on Batman... Oh, we like it a little less. Oh, man. <laughs> a little, uh, little hatred for not having your legs touch anything. If you hadn't noticed, there's not much going on in the world of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so we have room to just mess around and talk about theme parks. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I barely, want, I'm not quite caught up on everything. Mm. I watched like six movies over the, six or seven movies over the weekend. Ah, damn. So I uh, did not watch too much wrestling other than what's going on in stardom. Which is good. Did you watch other those matches? Uh, not the stardom matches. Okay, no. we should. Um, I spent the last couple of days catching up on NXT and AEW in the Wednesday Night Wars, mm-hmm. and uh, both products really picking up in quality. Yes, yeah, I'm loving what AEW is doing, and we just watched most of uh, this week's NXT, and it was excellent. Yes. Uh, but this week NXT is presenting Worlds Collide. Yeah. Where the NXT UK and NXT regular <laughs> collide florida brand um which is fine by me yeah um yeah that's gonna it's the taking place of this the um takeover that would normally occur right before the royal rumble mm. so it's happening in houston texas and it's just a series of matches that are uh nominally their nxt versus nxt uk but in some excuse me in some ways uh, NXT UK has been exporting talent over to NXT for a while. Yep. So it's kind of, it's not 
it, it's it's weird. It's a weird concept. Yeah. Um, there's less separation than you would like, but it's a cool idea for a pay-per-view. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, uh, as WWE slowly uh, increases its monopoly, it takes over various uh, territories worth of international places to put their NXTs. Uh, we'll get a more diversified world collide. Pretty much. Um, NXT, regular style, Florida style, whatever you want to call it, is basically the WWE's version of the Indies. Mm -hmm. NXT UK is their version of British Strong Style, yes. or just British wrestling in general. Yep. So it's a couple slices of professional wrestling that are very different from main roster in the sense of the pace and the athleticism mm -hmm. and the size of the athletes and the matches that we're getting. We're, these are not typical... Uh, opponents who face each other yes i also I, I do i will say i don't think they're quite different from each other because wwe has a, a tendency to kind of flatten everybody's style into a very similar uh, cookie cutter mm. uh but this is where they get to show off what they can do and it's going to be very exciting uh the first match we got lined up is uh it's an eighth man tag team match man they are loving those lately yep. um but it's uh, imperium which is uh Walter, Fabian Eichner, and Marcel Bartel, and Alexander Wolf versus the Undisputed, Undisputed Era mm -hmm. of Adam Cole, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. Yep. Uh, okay, so I like, when I read it, I imagined four teams. I didn't realize that it was going from main event down on Good Wikipedia. Lord. I, I thought that it was going to be like... Four like, teams of four? No, four teams of two, like the oh, ladder okay. match that oh, they had okay. at UK. Okay, so that makes more sense. This should be interesting. I think they could put on a good match. It doesn't mean anything. Right. I feel, I was thinking a lot about this match because it's the marquee match. It's been what they've promoted more than any others for this event. It's the marquee mark match. It, it is. Uh, one member of the UE has a superfluous third nipple. Feel it. Feel it. <laughs> I think, in. I mean, Imperium is the strongest book group in NXT UK. Mm -hmm. Valter is great. Yep. I, I'm liking Fabian Ector the more I see him week to week. Marcel Bartel is a steady grounding kind of opposite to round out that tag team. Alexander Wolf is good for what he does. Yeah. So the group itself, I feel like, stands more to gain by winning than not. Yeah. So I feel like they're going to win through something. I don't know if it's going to be interference. I don't know if it's going to be the UE having a miscommunication or what have you. But it feels like, in terms of like group unity and solidarity, Imperium is stronger and have like less ego problems as between their characters. Yeah. And... They've talked so much since the United the Undisputed Era has won all of the titles in NXT about their prophecy and all of that. That unless Roderick Strong loses the United the United uh, States bleh, North, oh, no. American North American title, yeah, right. UK, uh, NXT title this week, then I feel like this is going to be the, the beginning of the start of the narrative of the UE falling apart, and I feel like it starts with them losing. Yeah, it's either going to be the start of that or like nothing happens. I'm like, it's either way. <laughs> I really think that there's a good chance this pay-per-view will just be like a, an exhibition, a series of exhibition matches, sort sure of, do. you know, which wouldn't be bad. I mean, there are a lot of, there are eight talented people in this match, and they're going to do some good stuff. I like, I like Alexander Wolf. I feel like he's the guy you have as like the fourth most important guy in your uh, faction, which we'll be talking about later. And then like, he'll, he'll, you know, you'll have a four and four match and he'll do some crazy shit that'll impress you and i think that all these guys have a lot to prove and probably have a lot of good chemistry with each other so hopefully yeah my hope for it is that bobby fish just comes out uninjured but it, i feel like this is going to lead to very interesting matchups with walter and pretty mm -hmm. much any member of the undisputed era i'm looking forward to the showdown between him and cole yeah undisputed era kind of underdogs just based on size versus walter yep. but 
we'll see what happens. Uh, the next match on the card is Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm, which is exactly what I'm talking about when I say there's not much to go on with uh, UK versus US yep. uh, because these are both women from the UK. Uh, Rhea Ripley was the first NXT UK Women's Champion. Tony Storm beat her for that. Now they're fighting over the NXT US Championship, which Rhea Ripley holds because she's now part of the US roster. I'm I'm happy to see this match again. Yep. It's just kind of weird that they went this way on a pay-per-view that's you know supposed to be UK versus US. We talked a little bit about this last week and offline since that like NXT UK as a brand has felt kind of stagnant for the three years it's been around. They haven't added a lot of people. Jeez, it's only been three years. It's been three whole years. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing is that there hasn't been a lot of change. There hasn't been a lot of growth in terms of their roster size. They do what they can with what they have, but it makes sense to put Tony Storm in here because aside from her, you have Kylie Ray, who's already champion. You have Piper Niven, who they chose not to put in because she just, that was the last person Rhea Ripley feuded with before she came over. Right. So after that, you'd have women from that brand who haven't been booked as strong. Isla Dawn hasn't really put together wins. Zaya Brookside, they're still building up long with like a long slow burn. Right. Um, I would have liked to see Ginny, mm. but uh, I always like to see Ginny. Yes, I think a lot of those women are like part time. Yeah. Because they're able to show up in like indies or whatever, just you know, at the drop of a hat. That makes sense. Uh, whereas you don't see that with Rhea Ripley or Tony Storm. Maybe not Viper or Kaylee Ray at this point, but it just—it's just weird to see this match on the card. It's one that we've seen before a couple times, but you know it's always good. So it's one that uh, if Rhea Ripley stays in the U.S., it's kind of one we're not going to get so often anymore. Right. So maybe just the last hurrah, and it's always nice to see Tony Storm get a, a showcase. Yeah. I, I think that Rhea Ripley retains. I don't think there's any chance of her dropping it. Nope, not after she beat Shayna for it. Right. After a long time. This is like, this is going to be her first defense, right? Yes. Yeah. And Kaylee Rhea will be in the building because she's going to be fighting Mia Yim, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this is a good opportunity to advance that narrative. Yeah. Of Kaylee Rhea messes with Tony. That leads to Rhea Ripley capitalizing. So on and so forth. We move on. Mm-hmm. I, I think this will be one that just ends cleanly. Hmm. I don't think, I don't see a lot of interference happening in these matches, in my opinion. But that's just, I think that's what NXT's made me believe they'll do. They kind of respect our wishes to see a strong winner. That's fair. The next match is Finn Balor versus, uh, uh, you, you've pronounced it. Ilya Dragunov. Okay, I, I forgot what his first name was, uh, how his first name was pronounced. It's but, spelled Ilja. Yeah, it's, it confused me, and then it scared me, and my last name's Palapal. So, <laughs> but yeah, this should be a good one. I am uh, excited for this one. Uh, Dragunov shows off some really good stuff every time. Balor has not had a lot of matches since coming back to NXT, hmm. so he's also got, like, he's got a lot of juice left in the tank. He's just saving it up. Yep. And he's going to spray that juice all over Houston, Texas. Oh, boy. If Houston, Texas is into anything, it's being sprayed with foamy, <laughs> foamy man performance. Anywho, <laughs> Finn Balor, I feel like, has molded himself into a very WWE main event style wrestler. Yeah. And Ilya Dragunov can only benefit from this. He gets to wrestle a guy who is world famous for professional wrestling and gets to absorb more of like a WWE main event style. I feel like the last marquee match he had was against Cesaro, which was fucking great. And he yep. got to win that one. I feel like he goes down here but looks really good in defeat because he's another one of those guys that I feel like they're giving a long, slow burn and build to. And I feel like after the match, Gallus messes with them somehow. Right. I think, uh, if anything, maybe maybe Johnny Gargano costs Finn Balor to the match somehow. Maybe. That's possible. 
I don't think it's going to happen, but I think if something happens with interference in this pay-per-view, it's going to be that to build up their match in Portland, the Balor-Gargano match. Also, to protect Dragunov, since he did interfere in the main event of NXT UK last time. So I feel like they're, they've got some plans for him. So we'll see what they do with this one. This is interesting because both guys have a lot to lose in terms of momentum, even though there's nothing on the line. Right. The fourth match we've got is a fatal four-way for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Someone's going to die. <laughs> That's what fatal means. Oh, I boy. looked it up before the podcast. Yeah, they hang a guillotine over the ring, and they're like, we're going to use it. So yep. say goodbye. <laughs> it's, the, it's the law. If you lift up the guillotine, you got to use it. That's... It was decided during the French Revolution. Union rules. Yes. And I support unions. So, uh, this one has Angel Garza, who is the champion and is handsome, versus Isaiah Swerve Scott, who I also think is handsome, but is not part of his gimmick, versus Jordan Devlin, who's kind of handsome, and versus (laughs) Travis Banks, who is more handsome, but still kind of eh. Um, (laughs) They are all going to fight for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship championship that I forgot NXT has now. Yeah, there, oh, there, there's not a lot of distinction between if that title belongs on 205 Live because that's where it came from, or mm-hmm. if it's in NXT, the title suggests that it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's like weird because I know in my brain that 205 Live is still somewhere happening, yep. but in my heart, it's really not. Yeah. It's really hard to justify tuning in uh, 8 p.m., on Friday nights for SmackDown, let alone at 10 p.m. for the show that they don't even put on TV and they just throw on the internet. Right. After the roster's been gutted. Mm -hmm. Literally all of the guys who were known for building the brand are on other shows or are just left in a no-man's land. So, And all the important stuff that happens happens on NXT. Yep. So it's, you know, a little bit hard to care about 205 Live right now, but as always, they have a stacked roster of talent and you put four of these guys in a match together they are gonna just go balls to the wall I think Mm. I mean these cruiserweight championship matches where it's like a multi-man affair is always like just action-packed maybe 15 to 20 minutes of non-stop uh, incredible stuff frenetic paced uh, highly athletic I, I like that Angel Garza and Jordan, Jordan Devlin are both in this match together because uh-huh. I feel like they can help slow things down and ground it and then you get Swerve Scott who can fly around really well I was having fla- I was having thoughts about his uh, weapons of mass destruction match with Marty the Moth and then his match with AR Fox which I forget mm. the the stipulation on that oh the uh, three the kind of three stage of hell thing yeah the hell of war match the hell of war match yeah. from lucha underground mm-hmm. so like he can do pretty much anything right um and travis bank is uh, here to kick you yes so. yeah i think this could be a breakout for well i guess garza is also kind of a flippy a little bit but yeah this is probably gonna be a breakout for isaiah scott yeah um, I feel like, yeah, Garza's capable of high-flying, I'm sure, but so far he's just mostly done character-based offense, True. which I like a lot. Yeah. Because it adds a different dimension to this match. He definitely has the strongest character of uh, these four. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this should be a good match. I don't expect anything less from NXT's or 205 Live's roster at this point. Yep. There you go. Keaton is on top of Dennis now. Yeah. Now the podcast can begin. <laughs> we'll start back again. Let's talk about Six Flags. Wrestle down! <laughs> yeah, I don't think the title's changing hands either, but I think Angel Garza is going to look very good. He'll probably get something like an opportunistic pin. Mm-hmm. Don't love his finisher. The whole uh, puts you in like a butterfly and then he sits on his own butt. Yes, yeah. It's not the best finisher. 
but it does fit with the angel thing. Yep. Um, I would be. It would be kind of cool if one of the NXT UK guys won it and just took the title to NXT UK. Yeah. They kind of need mid card title and also roster over there is mostly smaller dudes other than like Walter and oh. the Coffee Brothers. But what if? He got a hair across, a car, across his fanny, and Eddie Dennis came for it. <laughs> that tall, tall man. He's somehow only 125 pounds, <laughs> but he's seven feet tall. Oh, no, that's a stick. Easy mistake. <laughs> but, this, yeah, this will be good. I don't expect, if anything, I expect uh, Scott to possibly pull off the win. Hmm. But I, that's like, if if something happens. Otherwise, I agree with you. Angel Garza goes out of this one with the title. I don't think any of the titles are going to change hands this uh, pay-per-view. Yeah, there's only two, so... Yeah, it doesn't feel like it will. It, it feels very... I mean, the Cruiserweight title just changed hands from uh, that, Angel Garza... from Leo Rush to Angel Garza. That's a good point. So, that that's where I'm coming from on that. That makes sense. And then the fifth match listed, and I wonder how Wikipedia edits these. Maybe people just keep adding them as they get it announced, because... The next match listed here is a dream match of sorts. Yep. Uh, DIY, which is Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, a classic tag team in NXT lore, versus Mustache Mountain, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, probably the one of the best tag teams in the NXT UK roster. So this can't be bad unless somebody gets hurt early on. That's legit. That's the same thought I had. Yeah. The only way something bad happens is if like something catastrophic happens. Yep. Like. <laughs> I mean, we all thought that Charlotte and Becky versus Oscar versus Kyrie Sane was gonna, or Oscar and Kyrie Sane at the TLC was gonna be a home run. Yep. And it wasn't because Kyrie Sane got concussed. So if, aside from something like that happening with these guys, two of whom have histories of injuries, it's and it should be phenomenal. Yeah. I can't imagine this. Like there are two teams who knock it out of the park every single time they're put in a tag team uh, situation with a bright spotlight. Of all the matches on the card, this is the one that doesn't need any buildup. No. As much as little buildup as there's been, arguably for any of them. Yeah, this you one can, was built up by a tweet. Yep, you can turn. Yeah, you can turn this match on and just know that Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano have history as a tag team, and even if they didn't, they have good, just chemistry. And then Mustache Mountain, it's Tyler Bate wrestling with his mentor. He gets better every single match. And right. Trent Seven to hold everything together. So this is going to be phenomenal. Yes, I, I can't. That's the one match that sold me on this pay-per-view. I was going to watch it anyway, but that was the one that I really was hoping to see. Then on the pre-show, we got Mia Yim versus Kaylee Ray. It's happening on the pre-show, which I'm, I'm sure means that it'll air. The most, the the most intrigue for that match is whether it's going to air on NXT or NXT UK the following week. Pretty much. Maybe um, maybe they'll do both. Maybe maybe they'll show the Mia Yim parts on NXT and the Kaylee Ray parts on NXT UK. You gotta watch both <laughs> if you wanna know what happened. <laughs> Completely. What a concept. <laughs> I feel like Mia Yim is still searching for her character in a little bit. In NXT and with every match I try to like reserve judgment and be patient for mm -hmm. either her character to find an edge or creatively for the writers or whoever the agents to spin something. Maybe this is the match where something starts to develop for her, where she's encouraged by a win, or frustrated by coming up short, or just, like, renews her interest in wanting to be champion. There's yeah. nothing that really drives her character. Right, yeah, it's, um... I think her character is set. It's just finding that, like, that moment that gets her over fully. Mm. Especially after her match with uh, Shayna Baszler was not the best match of Baszler's run. Nope. So, it 
it pushed her down the card almost immediately, which is too bad because she is very talented. I liked her a lot in TNA. And now I think she's just searching for a match or a promo or an angle somewhere that really like makes her click with the audience and then gets her over. Yep. So we'll see if she, see if she ever finds that. Uh, it's probably not going to be on this pre-show match, but it's going to be pretty good. I feel bad that the NXT UK Women's Champion is on the pre-show. I like Kaylee Ray a lot. I've liked her since the first Mae Young Classic. Mm. But you you can't beat the card that they've assembled here. This is very, very good. And it's kind of the one of the things that NXT does well in terms of mixing different styles together and throwing them up against each other. It's something that uh, AEW could uh, emphasize more about their promotion airing right opposite NXT, but they don't. But they both kind of do that, but NXT does it a bit smoother. Mm. So... I'm looking forward to Worlds Collide, even though it kind of just seems like a bunch of exhibition matches right now. Yeah, I mean, that that's the the feeling of it, the booking of it, is what keeps me from wanting to watch it live. I won't be able to, yeah. um, just because it's gonna, uh, I'm going to have plans that night, mm-hmm. but be a solid watch maybe the next morning. Yeah, okay. So, Worlds Collide is just a Saturday night show. Yep. Sunday night is one of the biggest shows of the WWE calendar. The Ramble Royal. The Ramble Royal. 30 men speaking ragtime. Ramble Ramble. <laughs> Gramble Damble. 30 women speaking in tongues. Ramble Ramble. <laughs> Ramble Ramble. <laughs> One winner of each match. 20,000 confused fans. <laughs> <laughs> Ten different announcers trying to explain in 14 languages what the hell's happening. C and no. We and non and hi and yay. Ja? Nine. And meow and meow. That cat announcement. <laughs> See? Can't Keaton? be beaten. See, Keaton? We're wa- making you watch a lot of wrestling, but eventually you might get a job out of it. Yeah. But the Royal Rumble... Uh, it's a match they do every year, or two matches now that they do every year. Yep. One for the men, one for the women's, where two competitors start in the ring. Then every three minutes, is it three minutes usually? It's usually they, every they, minute or 90 yeah. seconds. Yeah, oh yeah, okay, minute or 90 seconds. We'll call it two. Uh, comes into the ring, and the only way to get eliminated is to be thrown over the top rope. And after 30 people have entered, after 29 have been eliminated... The last person standing is the winner. Mm-hmm. And every year it's a fantastic way to catch up on wrestling. Get a taste of the rosters. Everybody has like a minute and a half to shine. Yep. They hopefully do a good job of it. This will be a fun one, I think. Do you want to do... So we, you want to talk about who would be the winner? Yeah, So picks for the winner. Yeah. And I threw in odds as if I knew what Vegas betting odds were. Okay. So, I have Roman Reigns as number one for the men's rumble. I think so, too. That's, yeah, that's kind of, it's an uninspired choice, but it kind of, there's, the thing about the men's rumble is that it feels more wide open than it has in past years. I mean, it it's, he's the logical analog this year just because no one's, re- none of the men have really talked about the importance of winning or wanting to go to WrestleMania or why it's important to be a world champion. Right. And Reigns is, in, in the past, not the recent past, been booked as that guy who fills in as your as your top face, as your mm-hmm. your champion. And he's been slumming it with a Baron Corbin program where he's just had dog food dumped on him. Before. Yeah, he's been slumming with Baron Corbin for like four months or something like that now. Yeah, he's been on Seth Rollins' duty. So yeah. he seems like the most likely to win. I, I, I thought about this a while, and I actually... It's, I've been so out of touch with main roster booking, not that it necessarily helps to walk week to week to get a sense of what's coming next, but 
I was like, who the hell else is on either roster that ma makes sense to win? And aside from Reigns, I had Kofi, because I just want Kofi to win again. Yeah. I am I really like that he's getting into a program again, it seems, with Miz and Morrison. So I wouldn't be heartbroken if Kofi and New Day just kind of continued in that direction. Yeah. But I had him, and then I had Seth Rollins, just because I'm like, there's really nobody else who's being booked strong right now. He doesn't need it. He won it last year. It doesn't seem like he's gonna. Yeah. But I just have him, and then after that, I have Kevin Owens, just because that's who he's feuding with. Right. Um, I could see Drew McIntyre winning. I I had him in mind, but I didn't put him on my short list. Like it, it would be a surprise. Yeah. But they have been kind of protecting him and making him look strong again, which they do every six months. Right. And then it kind of fizzles out. So who knows? Yeah. The thing about one of the things I like about the, the brand split with splitting the roster between two shows is that one of the titles, usually the WWE title, oddly feels a little bit less important. Yep. You could have someone win the Royal Rumble and go after that title. And so in past years, it was very obvious that the most, the biggest star who's not currently a champion is going to win it. So your Roman Reigns is going to challenge Triple H or whoever. Yeah. Uh, but now it could be anybody, kind of. That's how you get Shinsuke Nakamura winning one year. Yeah. And then that kind of fizzled out as well. But it was a very cool moment. I was very happy for him at the time. And now it feels more wide open than ever I so I think I think Roman Reigns is the smart bet I feel like the smart bets would be Roman Reigns or like a surprise like the returning John Cena hmm. those are the the big surprises I could or the big the smart bets I can think of yeah but like otherwise could be fucking anybody who's already been a main eventer pretty much Owens is another good one. Yep. You're right. Yeah, like uh, either a big surprise return or just someone from the recent past, like Jeff Hardy, mm -hmm. would be somebody, like a surprise entrant. I don't necessarily think he's going to win. Right. As like a surprise, oh my God, I can't believe he's here. It, it, I don't think they would do this, but uh, we talked a little bit about Brian Cage from last week. Yeah. About him being in the Rumble. Again, I don't necessarily know if he would win it, but it, it's a very short list of people who aren't signed with any major company right now who could pop in and believably like, win the Rumble. Right. If somebody came in as a surprise, it would probably be someone who's like recent. A Goldberg, for example. True. Yeah. Someone who maybe is going to be one of the Hall of Fame inductees this year. Who knows? Killer Cross. <laughs> it could be literally anybody. It's yeah. it's it really is going to be an interesting match to watch. Uh, the the storyline going in is that Brock Lesnar is going to enter first. Do you think he's going to last up through the final four, or do you think he's going to uh, get eliminated early or middle of the thing, or a stretcher job where he comes back later in the match? I I'm leaning more towards that because mm. it. it who knows how much truth there is to the whole Lesnar's contracted to never have to wrestle more than 20 minutes thing. Because mm -hmm. the Rumble lasts at least, like, 45 minutes to an hour. Probably yeah. closer to an hour. Right. Um, so I do feel like he gets at least halfway through. Um, or, okay, I'm going to hope he gets at most halfway through. He's in there for at least a third of it. Mm -hmm. um, and if he does come back, it'll be one of those things like he gets put through an announce table or he gets, like, carted out for injury or whatever. As long as he doesn't win it, and as long as it seems like a lock of who he's going to fight at Mania. that That's what I would like from his involvement of it. Same. And whoever basically gets fed to him for the first, like, eight or nine guys that they just look good. Right. I feel like the first eight or nine guys, maybe even, the maybe just the first six, but up through, up until someone like a Keith Lee or something comes out, I think they're just going to get tossed. Yeah. It's going to be like a real boring first 15 to 20 minutes of this thing. And then something's going to happen, and he's going to be vulnerable for a little while. And then things will get interesting, and hopefully it'll be a good rumble. 
whoever's coming in, whether it's your like Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, Tony Nese, Drew Gulak, mm. go for the nuts. <laughs> it's it's legal. No disqualification. It's the only thing that works every time. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, the men's rumble. Who knows? Curtis Axel. Because <laughs> technically he still hasn't been eliminated. <laughs> that, that's three WrestleManias. We'll have to strike from the record. <laughs> <laughs> Including the one that we went to. Axelmania. <laughs> Uh, so, who do you got for the women's rumble? Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like she's she's the top person with any kind of creative momentum behind her. Yeah, After true. that, I have Charlotte Banks. Just Charlotte, Charlotte Banks. I have <laughs> Charlotte Banks. I have Charlotte Flair by rote. I'm just like, they go to her whenever they don't have an idea. And it's not a bad choice. She's no. a flair. She's a great wrestler. She doesn't really currently have much going on. Nope. So, she'd be someone who's logical to fill in that spot. It's Absolutely. Just, uh, there's, there's been four women announced for the Rumble. Four. <laughs> yep. Out of 30. So, Charlotte is announced, Sarah Logan's announced, and then Bliss Cross Applesauce. So, mm-hmm. it it's another one where it feels wide open. And yeah. I pondered a bit about this. I have said this a lot out loud in the past, off of the podcast. I've texted a lot about this that I hate when they bring in stars of yesteryear to really, like, drive interest in something. But this feels like the type of year where Trish Stratus could come back, win it, mm-hmm. and then drum up interest of her versus Becky. Yeah. We were mentioning last week that we just hope that it's not Rousey that comes back. Yeah, um, that's the thing that... It hangs over it. I hope for Shannon Baszler. I think that she'd be a really good winner. That'd really elevate her. Uh, the other thing I would hope for, maybe Sasha Banks wins it and goes after Bailey. Yeah. That would be a fun one. I would like I that. I don't think it's going to happen because that there, it's a heel versus heel, but yeah. Sasha's kind of been rudderless since going to SmackDown, oddly. Loves talking about her money. Yep. She's she's doing great work on Twitter. Yeah. And she's doing all right work on SmackDown. <laughs> but it's just kind of like her character's kind of just Bailey's accessory right now. And I would yeah. like to you know, maybe uh, maybe a face Sasha versus heel Bailey is something that the world needs. I don't know. Yep. It's either that. I will say this. Alexa Bliss has never lost on a pay-per-view when I've worn my Alexa Bliss shirt. So if I remember to wear my Alexa Bliss shirt, she's going to win this one. Depends on how bad you want her to win then. <laughs> I... I am wearing that shirt. All right. It's, I saw it in my drawer, and I was like, no, the Rumble's coming up. I'm wearing the WrestleMania shirt today. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I got Charlotte top, Trish third, Trish second, and then I'm rooting for a surprise Naomi. Mm, yeah, I know. I, I hope she at least comes back. Yeah. Even if she doesn't win, I, I want her to be back. The Usos are back. Yep. She disappeared alongside the Usos when one of them got busted for a DUI or something. I think both did. I think I think it was just one. Yeah. But either way, they they were away for a while, and she seemed to imply on Instagram that she was dealing with some other stuff. So, whatever. Well, I hope that, the, that everyone's happy and comes back and is excellent. And I'm looking forward to the Rumble as always. So, and we'll have a list on afterwards to talk about the results. Yeah. The next uh, following Tuesday, I'll have to remind her. Hopefully, this solved the mystery of who is Triple H. Not at this pay per view, probably. But if he enters, he's gonna win <laughs> the women's Rumble. Who was Triple H? A woman now. (laughs) (laughs) He did so much to build up women's wrestling via NXT only because he knew he was going to be a woman someday. (laughs) Welcome to the queendom. The biggest heel turn of all time. Yeah, easily. In the company's history, it would be. Yes. (laughs) If a man who didn't in real life identify as a woman entered the women's Rumble match to win it, and say, I've won now. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, God. So that is our uh, sort of preview for the Royal Rumble. Who knows? I don't... There hasn't been that many matches announced for it, so we're not really going to preview it. Also, I take forever to re- 
uh, edit these things, so previewing kind of is a waste of time. Yeah, <laughs> take that, anyone who likes previews. Um, we'll do a, we'll do a recap, and we'll be in-depth and have fun. Yeah. So that'll be great for now. I think it is about time that we do Segment Mania! Segment Mania! For this one, I wanted to talk about factions. Mm -hmm. They are kind of back in vogue in a way. Recently, Seth Rollins turned heel and decided to uh, join up with the Authors of Pain, a a tag team that kind of had no direction uh, backstage. Now they're his heavies. And then he added Buddy Murphy to his ranks. And now he's got a four-dude stable that are running around and they're causing a ruckus. Imagine just every line of kids you see holding that rope when they're going from, like, daycare to the park. That's that stable right now. (laughs) They're just loosely connected. Yeah. And hopefully listen. Yes, yeah. So, like, pro wrestling has a long history of uh, factions, uh, stables coming together, wrestlers with individual goals, but coming together to uh, help each other out a little bit. I like friendship. And Friendship? So you thought it was wrestling, but it was me, friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But (laughs) so we have want to talk about how like what makes a good faction? Yeah. Just because like there's so many of them, and it's kind of weird because I mean, Stardom has a new one now. New Japan has its four ish, Mm -hmm. and you know, Stardom also keeps it four. The inner circles didn't add AEW wreaking havoc over there. There's some kind of... There are two cults in AEW that yep. count as factions. So, sort of. Dark Order and the Nightmare Collective. Yeah, Dark Order is more of a tag team, but I yeah, I was counting them, but they are two guys now that I think about it yep. with a bunch of commercials. I mean, they're, they're growing in rank, so they're technically four guys because they absorb the Beaver Boys. Oh, that's true, yeah. And their whole shtick is that they're a literal cult. Yes. That if you just, like, rip off a piece of paper, you can be a winner, too. Yeah, you can apply on well online. I haven't done it, but uh, I would like to. You can apply through the movie ordering service in your hotel room. They, <laughs> they have made it so convenient to be evil. Yes. The other one, the other cult in AEW involves cutting hair. So <laughs> Yeah, that's only happened once so far. It's weird. Yeah. They are not doing a great job with that one. Nope. But... Yeah, so a lot of different groups and what makes some good and what makes some of them bad. I think the big thing that helps is when a faction has its own identity. Yeah. And also that identity is counter to what the company they're in is presenting. Mm-hmm. In a way, like the way NWO was... Uh, the counterculture to WCW. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tricky balance to strike because you don't want the counterculture to then become the culture because... Yeah, that's what happened with NWO. Yeah, that's what happened with NWO. Degeneration X, I feel like, is... because Aside from all the returns and reunions, the best example of how to have long-running rebels that never really took over right. until they did. And then technically they weren't DX, but yeah, you have to have something that your group believes or drives for that distinguishes them from everybody else in terms of like who I think the best modern faction is that really helps exemplify that is New Day yeah they have completely their own style they speak exactly it with like their own vernacular their own rhythm Mm. that other people can try to copy but if you do you're instantly outed yeah like there's only one Xavier Woods there's only one Big E Kofi doesn't cut a lot of his own um like really identifiable promos but no one else can come up 
and play a trombone. Mm-hmm. They basically appropriated twerking from pro wrestling itself. <laughs> yes. Which is fa- like fascinating how that happened, how like three dudes did that. <laughs> yes. But they took that, they took unicorns, they took... God. They took being nerds. Yeah. And they made it into their gimmick, and they made themselves uh, one of those popular acts in WWE for their generation. Yep. And they honestly, they only, they seem like the only current stable in any company that seemed is in is never in any danger of breaking up. They're yeah, they're true. just they're solid. I would say in terms of not being in danger of breaking up, Lij. Yep. There's that too. Yeah, I think they're and they carry a lot of the same things. They're more goth than the rest of uh, New Japan. Yep. And whereas the other groups don't quite have as much of personality at this point. We can talk about Bullet Club later, but <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> they're like, they're the same... They, they've only added members. They've never kicked somebody out. So it's the same, what, six dudes-ish? Yeah. They're just the same people. It's their The roll call, call is their catchphrase. They've got the same leader. There's not a ton of gunning for position in the, within their ranks. Yep. They got a tag team, they got a couple juniors, they got Naito. It's a good mix of weird art student rejects. Pretty much. So I mean, Evil kind of personifies that. Yes. With his entrance and all of his accoutrement. Mr. Cosplay. Mr. Cosplay. Hey, when you have an announcer summon you from the back, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good gimmick. True. What I like about LIJ at this point in time in 2020 is mm. that, as you've said, they've been stable and consistent in terms of how long they've been around. Yeah. But now that they've added Shingo, he, he's not necessarily the heir apparent to being like a, w, uh, a main event heavyweight contender. Yeah. But he could be. There's tons of potential there. Sonata feels like the next natural choice to be like the next heavyweight contender because he already has challenged for the title a few times but like more believably than I think in the past. Time Bomb just got back so he's your face of the juniors. There's no one else in New Japan like them. There's no one else arguably in any company that's like that goth counterculture dissent like aloof but like charismatically so stylish. Right. Yes. Yeah. There's a, a coolness about them. Yeah. Uh, in terms of their demeanor. It's true, like, them and New Day are the only factions I can think of that would only break up if one of them retired. And that's, you know, pretty cool to see. The friendship is nice. It's, you know, it's different from, say, Ministry of Darkness back in the Attitude Era. A group too big to fail. Yeah, The Undertaker and then anybody who wanted some goth gear. Naked Midian. Yeah, Naked Midian. Kane, at some point, I'm... He was in the corporation. He was kicked out of the corporation. Right, yes. I'm thinking about when the corporation, the ministry, merged, Merged. which was its own... It's weird to have a faction that big because then you have two different gimmicks mixing together and it didn't work quite... It was interesting, but it wasn't, like, an identifiable faction the way, like, say, New Day or LIJ or, like, the Four Horsemen would be. Right. I mean, it... That was happening around the same time a few months earlier that the Wolfpack and NWO Hollywood merged mm-hmm. after the fucking finger poke of doom. Yes. Where NWO gotten too big, they spun off the Wolfpack. The Wolfpack was... They, it almost feels like a prototype for LIJ of just, like, what would happen if they didn't really care about the rules. They thought that they were really cool, so other people did, mm-hmm. but were just giant dicks about it the entire time. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many. There's a lot of recaps that I've read, like Brendan Stroud's classic recaps of Raw and Nitro, mm-hmm. and it's been interesting reading those because I was watching Raw at the time that he was recapping both shows, or then time period he's recapping both, which is 98, and it's very clear that WCW just has no ability to put Hulk Hogan or Kevin Nash in check because yeah. contractually they couldn't. Right. So it made sense that their factions then imploded right. because they could do whatever they wanted to serve their own interests. 
with the corporate ministry, I think it had been said in interviews, and I, I don't remember the exact timing because it hasn't merged yet mm. in the timeline, but they don't stay together very long. No, that's true. Um, Undertaker gets hurt. Um, Vince kind of becomes a face pretty soon after, and true. Triple H, Stephanie, and Shane kind of like start running things. Mm. So thankfully, and then people start like spinning off in different gimmicks, like the Acolytes become the APA and things. Right, yeah, that's true. So kind of one of the hallmarks of a really good faction is that they'll spit off spin-offs that are kind of better. Like Raven's Flock comes to mind with ECW, mm-hmm. that the BWO was separate, but then became part of the flock and then spun off again. Yeah. So if you can become kind of a breeding ground for like bigger, better things, the brood spun off Edge and Christian. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, the, the Dudley family ultimately shaped Bubba Ray and Devon to right. be the standouts. Yeah, the way the shield spun off three great solo careers. Yep. And, I don't know, maybe, you, I think you could count uh, the Usos and Roman Reigns as their own thing, too. I, I wanted to include them, they just haven't been cohesive yes. enough. Yes, yeah, they're they're at the start of something, maybe, yeah. but since they're family, they can always drift in and out of each other's circles. Yep. But yeah, you're right, they, they are, it is a good, uh, well, they made three great solo careers out of that one group. Yep. Which is not uh, always true, you know? Yeah. Even with, like, the Four Horsemen, you kind of forget about the guys who aren't Arn Anderson and Ric Flair a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you're a hardcore fan of, like, tag team wrestling or, yeah. like, prospects, then you're going to think of Barry Windham or you're yes. going to think of Ole Anderson. Yeah. But not many people are saying, like, ah, oh, Paul Roma. Yes, yeah. I also would argue that the the Four Horse Women are not really a great faction because they're never, yeah, there's it's a weird thing. Yeah. They're just, like, a group of friends or maybe even two groups of two friends yeah the when you say is that like the Shayna horseman or the oh i meant the 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 wrestling ones yeah so like charlotte becky sasha bailey yeah they, they haven't had another foursome that they've had to contend with as right. part of it with all True. the whole blue about there being a women's revolution now two years in mm. the booking just hasn't been there True. so there hasn't like there was the welcoming committee with natalia and whoever wanted to freaking pal around with her but they're they haven't had to come together because they've mostly been fighting each other. But also, they're just there hasn't been enough of a focus. Yeah, it's just like a weird thing that they promote as with them as a group, but then not really yeah. using that. It's interesting though, you know. Yeah, yeah I think it's kind of cool. That there's like more of those more factions popping up though, and mm. then though like New Japan and Stardom and like other Japanese promotions have done a lot of lots to do. You know what I was gonna say, Suzuki Goon. Another great faction in New Japan. I have them down. Yep. Yeah, they also uh, they were so out of New Japan that they weren't in New Japan for a year or two, or I think it was a year. In, yeah. uh, they went to Progressive Noah because they were uh, got banished, which is a pretty cool storyline to see them elsewhere. And I think that's a hallmark of a really successful group that after they got banished, when they re-debuted, people mm. instantly were terrified of them. Yeah. Because you had one guy who was more or less an insane cannibal on a chain, mm-hmm. on a neck chain, yes. with Iska. You had Minoru Suzuki, who's one of the most intimidating yes. people on the planet. He's, he's an insanely violent person who is not a cannibal. Right. That's the difference. Yep. He's an also he's also old, but you cannot chain him. Yep. You had just shitbag juniors with El Desperado and Kanemaru, mm-hmm. and more legitimate crazy people with Lance Archer. And Tai Chi. And it, <laughs> <laughs> The karaoke's gotten to his brain. <laughs> He thinks he's a holy emperor. Oh, God. He <laughs> thinks he's a lot of things. Yes. Black Mephisto, indeed. Yes. God yeah. bless me, Oabe. Another crazy person. Yes. Another, she, she loves that guy. Yeah. <laughs> she prays for him, there's, and then sometimes he comes. There's no... There's just... There's, there's no rhyme or reason for why you would love him, and yet I do. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, 
those two factions in New Japan do a great job, but then they've kind of lost their way with all the other ones. Yeah. Uh, chaos is literally chaos right now. Chaos is a patchwork. And at the time of their founding, it was Shinsuke Nakamura and Toru Yano and Toru Yano. And I forget if there was a third member, but it was definitely the two of them. Yeah. Um, they haven't really needed to come together as a group because it feels like so many like little pockets of them are self-sufficient. Like whenever shit really kind of stacks up for Yoshihashi or Ishii, Ishii, what the other one pops up for them. Mm. Yeah, um, they'll, they'll team together in tag matches, but there's not really much group cohesion. Yeah, which honestly is best for guys like Yano, mm. um, who is the is just really entertaining on his own, and Okada, who doesn't need anybody else. Yeah, I think Okada being in the group shifted their personality overall, Yeah, and really made him the focus, and then made everybody less important in a way. Which is, yeah, it's not the best, but it is their system to just have everyone belong to a group so that you can have these multi, like, eight-man tag matches mm. at the start of every show. Or just have company loyalty, because yeah. that's kind of where, like, Finjuice drops in. Um, I wanted to put Taguchi Japan, but so so little is mentioned about them yes. being a unit. They're not really... I don't think it even really exists anymore. No. It's like, a couple years back, it would have been Ryu uh, Taguchi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, yep. and basically whoever wanted to be with them in Sometimes the Sometimes Juice. Yep. Yeah, I think Juice would be probably the third most senior member. Yeah. And he's just, he was around part-time-ish. Hot second. Yeah. Yeah, and just in in terms of just like Japanese factions, because at this point, I think I'm only about a year into being aware of and watching Stardom with mm -hmm. any kind of regularity. Yep. Oito Tai is my favorite. Yes. Um, I think they're also kind of shifting their identity in a way right now, too, yep. with Kigetsu uh, retiring. And I, I, I got a couple strong statements, one about them and then one about stars, in okay. terms of, like, when I first watched Stardom, in terms of, like, trying to understand what are these groups. Because mm. Queen's Quest, I still don't really have my head around, yeah. um, in terms of them just being, like, ambitious for titles and things and excellence in their own way. Right. And Tokyo Cyber Squad kind of flourishes without really having an identity yeah their well their whole thing is that everybody's different and belongs here yeah and we're we got we're the big umbrella sure are <laughs> death yeah yeah anyway which made the Oedotai so easy to latch onto. to it's like oh cool they're heels but not really like cheaty heels even though yeah. they do cheat sometimes yeah they're just kind of like the female lij equivalent yeah mischievous misfits yeah. sort of yeah like, one of their catchphrases or phrases was just, like, do your half-ass best. Like, yes. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That before that, and now that it was do your half-ass best, and then it became we are the best and the worst. <laughs> and it, it's true. They were cool because there wasn't a lot of emphasis on, on winning, necessarily, but they just seemed to be having fun, and that's very fun to... It, it's fitting for a, a faction that was founded by Chris Wolf. There you go. Yeah. So my that was my strong feeling about them. Mm. And then the counter one to that is stars. Yeah. I hate stars. <laughs> I hate stars so much because I just feel like it's it's a natural, easy direction for booking of just like you have happy baby faces who want to make the crowd enjoy the show mm. and try their best and please root for us. And it just feels so sterile. Yeah. And so like it, I understand yeah. that it's genuine, but it just disagrees with the core of me. Yes, yeah. It's not your style. Of, it's my style. It is. I love my O. Oh, God. <laughs> and she's great. There yeah. are so many yeah. good members of stars. They're all great wrestlers. It's just, yeah, I get it. It's just like such a sunshiny, yeah, happy, glittery personality right. that they have every member of. You saw when Saki uh, turned uh, on turn them. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that made you happy. <laughs> I saw that, and I thought, you know, it just makes sense of just, yeah. like, if you're around somebody like Mayu who's just so happy all the time, 
Why wouldn't that just bubble up inside you and then eventually make you just stomp them? Yes. Hit yeah. them with a sign. Yes, now she's been away to tie and it ends flourishing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I love uh, I love when someone turns on their factioning, leaves, and goes somewhere else. Yep. It's kind of like, you can't overdo it, but <laughs> I think star Stardom is a little overdoing it right now, but they're also shuffling the deck for the new year. Yeah. But sometimes it's just like nice to have a, a good shock. I do think that another thing that, would, that makes factions fun is the possibility of them breaking up. Yep. Just the tension. You know, they teased it for a long time with the Undisputed Era. They had Roddy Strong and Adam Cole kind of fighting out, out a little bit until they united to win all the titles. Yep. But I think once they lose any of those titles, it might shatter a little bit. I feel like there's going to be a fracture line as soon as Adam Cole says anything about it because I feel like his leadership with that group specifically so much hinges on expecting excellence and now that there's been titles, there's been no problems really mm -hmm. aside from just keep the latest contender away from me. Right. In I, I think tension is one of those compelling things about factions. I think leadership and like what makes it important is another. We mentioned Bullet Club, Bullet Club a little bit earlier and technically their leader is Jay White right now but they're similarly kind of scattered like chaos in the sense that they come to there's certain like set tag teams like right. uh, Tokyo Pimp and Chase Owens team up a bunch so does Fale with Owens. They kind of mm -hmm. like rotate those three. GODs your tag team. Kenta was your never open, open weight champ and, not champ and now he's going to be yeah fighting Naito first. I think what will be interesting for them is uh, following the wave of just hateful momentum that Kent has been ginning up and then potentially supplanting Jay White. Right. I think, yeah, I, I predicted that last uh, episode that yeah. Kenta might like, overthrow Jay White eventually. Who knows? It's weird. Like, the thing about Bullet Clubs, they've been around forever. They've always had members just supplant each other as the leader. I think when we started watching New Japan, like, Kenny Omega was the leader, and he was doing a not great job, which is why he got kicked out. Yep. He was not... He, it was an interesting storyline because he was interested in his own closest friends, and then the other members of the group who were there in the group longer overthrew him, and then now the group doesn't have much personality. No. It kind of... It's the fault of AEW springing up and stealing half the roster. Pretty much. But otherwise, it was cool for a while there to have, like, a civil war within one of the most popular factions in independent wrestling. You can always like chuckle in hindsight about things because not only was it important to know who the leader of Bullet Club was when Kenny was leading it, mm. the next closest leader was fucking Cody. It wasn't yep. even another member of original member of mm -hmm. Bullet Club. And just having that moment in time where Tamatanga was cutting promos after his matches while this was happening, just like, this is bullshit and they don't really care about us. Yeah. Yeah, and then he became the leader very briefly. Yeah. And it was and then Jay White joined and it's kinda like just two it's too many factions stapled together, and the staples are showing, and it's yeah. kind of weird. It doesn't work very well. Everybody's doing good work on their own. It just there isn't clear direction for what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about the fallout from Wrestle Kingdom, pretty much every major match that Bullet Club was in, they lost. Yes. Um, Kenta lost the Neverweight Openweight title. El Phantasmo and Yujiro, or not Yujiro, Taiji Ishimori lost the junior tags. Right. It just didn't feel like there was a lot of gravity whenever their their teams lost. Like, no. Goto felt like the natural choice to win. Mm -hmm. the, the junior division is kind of like low in members, let alone the tag division. Right. And except for, and Jay White never felt like he was going to be in true contention for being a double champ. No. I mean, he won the loser's match. Yeah. So he's the best loser. Sure is. <laughs> Which is a hell of a thing to call a pirate. Yes. But they, yeah, they feel like they need something to kind of reinvigorate them aside from Kenta now who's going to yeah. challenge opposite Naito. Right. I don't think he's going to win, but I think just the thought of Kenta elevating himself that way uh, helps them out a lot. And I think if he takes the lead, 
it'll definitely be a different group and a better group in yep. a lot of ways. Which is interesting because they were more or less like the repository for Gaijin wrestlers, mm -hmm. and now they're more or less, they're looking like they're going to be led by Kanzo. Yeah, uh, he. I mean, he did go to the U.S. and then came back dissatisfied with it. True. So, in a way, he's a Gaijin in spirit. Came back rude and entitled. Yes. He's American. Yes. We did that to him. He just, <laughs> we made him say respect me. And then respect we, me. And then we didn't respect him. And now he doesn't respect us. Can I use the go to sleep? No. Can I use the go to sleep? No. no. Can I use the go to sleep? Okay. <laughs> now no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it's good that we, and what do you think about the inner circle in AEW? I don't feel like they appear on screen enough together, which seems yeah. nutty. Right. Um, because they often do. You're right. I think it, yeah, it feels like half of them are in the group. And it feels like Proud and Powerful. Is Proud and Powerful? Right. Yep. Okay. They're like off doing their own thing. I don't. I think. Yeah, they were in the. They were in the eight man. The eight uh, tag team. The four team tag match last AEW. Yeah, okay. They were. So, like, yeah, they're doing tag team shit, but I think. The storylines are mostly driven by Jericho and Sammy Gravara right now. Yep. But, and they're a hell of a tandem. Yep. Uh, I love both of them. They're both doing amazing character work. They just feel very separate from the group. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where the group is too big. Exactly. Unlike, like, New Day. Yeah. Yeah, five guys is a lot of guys. I think that... I think it's more than five guys, right? It's got to be... No, it's just the five, because it's uh, Hager, Jericho, Gavara, and Proud of Oh, Power. yeah, you're right. Okay. But it, it seems like more. Feels like more, yeah. And it feels like more because, in large part, because Jericho's larger than life, and True. he speaks with a lot of grandiosity, and he he serves his own purposes really well for world title programs. He builds up members of the faction well when he, that's the direction of his promos. Right. But I feel like you you kind of run into that danger zone of trying to do too many things in a promo, mm -hmm. and I feel like what he does for himself is excellent. Right. To keep Jake Hager interesting with having him not having wrestled for, what, four or five months now? Yeah. And Sammy Guevara was on, like, a little winning streak, so Proud and Powerful can kind of um, do their own thing and do it well. Yeah. They just don't necessarily feel like the inner circle. Yeah, it feels, and especially because they have their own gimmick as a tag team, they feel separate in a way. Yep. But it's still, I think the as a, a group, they're good because Jericho's able to elevate them, like give attention to some of these uh, less known people. Yep. But I think, and I think that's the main purpose. But it's also kind of drifting in some ways. That true of all long-term storytelling. I think that AEW is in a really sweet spot with the majority of their factions. That the best friends in Orange Cassidy just are a group. Yeah. And because, Dinosaur Express. Yeah, Jurassic yeah. Express. Jurassic um, Express. Yeah. Which. I feel like one of the best things you can do as a wrestling promotion is highlight the positives, hide the weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Jurassic Express. Marco Stunt is not like your prototypical wrestler no. in any sense. He looks like a small boy. Yes, he definitely looks like a teen. He's so small that some wrestling fans think it's unrealistic for him to be a wrestler. I kind of fall into that category. Yeah. Um, he is, whenever he gets like hot tags in matches, mm. I think like, uh because like the spots kind of cater to what he can do. It would mm. be silly if he just like ran into people and fell off. But right. Jungle Boy is excellent, and yep. Luchasaurus is as well. Right. So they work well together, and the fans love them. The S I like SCU. I feel like it, I'm starting to kind of feel like their goodwill's burning out a bit because mm -hmm. I'm just like I don't understand why Scorpio's guy and Frankie Kazarian are still champs. Right. Yeah. They're not. They're not doing much to have the champions defend things no often enough i don't think though also maybe that i mean you gotta earn the title shots so right it's Wait. just weird that it's been months yeah or yeah like months if not like 
the timing of it a little bit is that we're kind of conditioned to expect weekly and, and monthly blow-offs, but they took a little bit of time with the new year, so it, it can feel like longer. More to the point of just like, SCU as a group has a very strong identity. They're, they're very fun and easy to cheer for. I like Scorpio Sky a lot, and I hope that he's the one that breaks off from Me the too. group yeah. as, um, to be a major single star. But they got Daniels kind of doubting himself, and then they got Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky as the tag champs. They're not really cohesive. Right, yeah. They definitely have that AW NXT problem where they were stars in the indies, and they haven't really explained why you should cheer for them if you don't know them already. Right. But they are good you just gotta trust the people who've watched them for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, and like, that's where I'm happy for, like, the groundswell of support from other people for the Elite, because yeah. holy shit is that not a group that on, on camera, on TNT television, it seemed anywhere united. Yeah. Like, and part of that's been by design, like, the, the tag match you were referencing where Omega and Hangman Page won, so now they're the tag title contenders yep they had to beat the young bucks so it wouldn't make sense for them to be like oh shake hands and not be upset about the fact that like someone like one team won one team didn't right like cody and dustin show up sometimes when the bucks are getting beat up or when omega's getting beat up mm -hmm. but omega also has like michael nakazawa as his own guy so it almost feels like they're octopus tentacles yeah it's like connected to like this main membrane but they're right. not really close yeah there's a they're like the four horsewomen in a way in the sense that they're like more of an idea than really a functioning faction of people. Yeah. Because, like, we all know that they're all basically the executives of AEW. Mm. They just aren't doing that. Keaton. So, yeah, we just got a sep... It's got, like, a weird separation between what's on camera and what's in our brains. Yep. And that, my friends, is wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> we did it! <laughs> we did it! This has been The Wrestle Down. I'm Jared Palapal. It's Twitter.com Swing Dingling. I'm Dennis Bruno at dbruno42 on Instagram at Sensei Denny B on Twitter. And Keaton is Keaton Fuzzy on Instagram. He has the best social media presence of all of us. And he regularly updates. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's always doing cute things and then telling the world about them. So yeah, this has been the rest of the world. We'll, we'll talk about the Royal Rumble next weekend. Yeah, we will. Next week, I mean, sorry, we'll see it this weekend. Yeah. But then afterwards, we're going to give ourselves two days to fucking stew in it. Yeah. And then we're going <laughs> to... We're going to make that brain stew come out of our mouths, and then I'm going to edit the stew so that it's just the meats. <laughs> this has been the WrestleDown. Just the meats. Pa-da-pa-da! <laughs> <laughs>